put a spell on you. Hello and welcome to the Christians with Questions podcast. My name is Josh and I am your host and each week we take a question, examine it, mull it over, chew on it and try to formulate an answer based on God's word and we engage our minds in doing that and it's always a fun endeavor. So this week we have a fun question and I've actually had this question pop up about two or three times wanting to know is there a difference between demonic influence and psychosis? Also, is there an interplay between demonic influence and a broader psychopathology such as depression or anxiety or things like that? And so this is a, a fun question. I thought it was definitely fitting for Halloween because there are few things scarier than uh, demonic influence and sometimes mental health can be scary as well, especially when we get into things like psychosis. If you've ever experienced that or you've been around someone that has gone through a psychotic episode, it is quite harrowing. And so we will dig in here. And certainly the Bible is just rife with accounts of spiritual activity. And one can read about encounters with demons along with angelic hosts all throughout Scripture. And Scripture clearly promotes the idea that there is a God and angelic beings, and conversely, uh, Lucifer and demonic beings. Now, many argue that modern psychology has done away with the demonic. That is to say, that was for a different time. There was a time when people believed in silly things like that, but we are modern, we're enlightened, we're woke. So can we really believe that there are demons? Are the accounts in the Bible accurate? that describe people being under you know, dark spiritual forces? Were the writers just trying to make sense out of what they experienced? Could these accounts be describing people with psychosis rather than possession? Is belief in the demonic akin to believing in fire-breathing dragons and elves and unicorns? And so that's our topic for today. And there has been relatively little written about this topic. I visited this topic about... I don't know, maybe eight or nine years ago, and then there was very little written about it, and I was encouraged to see a little bit more. Um, I found a, an article from a psychiatrist who has written pretty heavily about this, and if you do a, a search on Google for further reading, um, you know, psychosis versus demonic influence, there's a, a decent number of writings out there, blog posts, um, some different articles and things like that. But there is little evidence put forth against demonic possession other than the musing that mental illness must surely account for what has been labeled as the activity of demons. Now, I want to say, why should this be the case? Is there any evidence to the contrary? Having uh, you know, a little bit of a background in psychology and theology, I feel you know, a little bit qualified to, to dive into this issue. Now, it's certainly understandable that demonic possession could be confused with psychosis, especially the more severe schizophrenia. And we should probably define some terms here before we go on. Um, psychosis is a, a symptom, um, not necessarily a mental disorder. So psychosis can be experienced across a broad range of um, difficulty. So people can experience psychosis actually with depression, if severe depression, people can experience psychosis. Obviously, using um, you know illicit drugs, um, you can experience psychosis with various brain traumas, extreme stress, 
lack of sleep, uh, other various neurological conditions. And so psychosis is a break from reality, often accompanied with hearing voices, um, also maybe experiencing uh, delusions. So the hearing voices would be hallucinations, and of course there are other types of hallucinations, visual hallucinations. You may see things that aren't there, hear things that aren't there. Uh, and then with delusions, it's um, a false belief about something. Um, so somebody that's delusional might have might construct this reality around them that isn't necessarily the case. And so that psychosis, it shows up in different ways. And of course, schizophrenia is a disorder that features psychosis. But schizophrenia also has a lot of other um, symptoms as well. And then, of course, when we talk about demonic possession, we are speaking of being you know, incredibly influenced by evil spiritual forces um, or maybe even demonic influence where, again, just the influence takes place. And so it's certainly understandable that demonic possession could be confused with psychosis, especially with the, like I said, the more severe schizophrenia. Uh, and even then, often psychotic episodes are religious in nature. I have had dealings with people experiencing delusions of grandeur who believe they were Jesus Christ. Uh, there are certainly um, spiritual hallucinations and delusions. That's not that uncommon. Um, I've worked with people that claim that they see demons or angels or have communicated with such beings. And so it's tempting to, perhaps for some, to read the accounts in Scripture of demonic activity through modern eyes and tempt to psychologize the, the text. But I think we do so to our detriment. And so as we continue on, I know we've explained that psychosis is a symptom, but that's to lay a little bit more groundwork. We've said that psychosis is a break from reality where the individual has a distorted picture of what's real and lacks the ability to ground himself with an accurate picture of the world. And so what I want to do is give you some of the, um, the symptoms of schizophrenia, which is a specific form of psychosis, a specific mental disorder, and the, uh, the DSM, which is the Diagnostic and Statistic Manual of Mental Disorders, uh, gives us a criteria for schizophrenia. And I think it would be useful for us to just see how this is fleshed out. And so we've mentioned delusions, which is a false belief based on an incorrect inference about external reality that is firmly sustained. So it's a belief that someone has about the way the world works, and it's, they're deeply rooted in it regardless of what anybody else um, says to try to convince them otherwise. And of course, there's hallucinations, which are you know, false or distorted sensory experiences that, are tend that people think are real. And so they see things, they hear things, they smell things. Um, sometimes there's even um, hallucinations where people taste things. Uh, another symptom of schizophrenia is disorganized speech. So language may be difficult to understand. Ideas presented may be incoherent. The person may switch quickly between unrelated topics. The person could be long-winded or have difficulty reaching a conclusion. And some may use uh, made-up words as well. There's disorganized behavior as another symptom. This could range from childlike silliness to unpredictable agitation. There could be a problem um, with doing daily tasks, whether that's you know hygiene or just maintenance of living. Person could be inappropriate or unpredictable. And then there's catatonic behavior, which is a marked decrease in reactivity to the environment, uh, sometimes reaching, reaching an extreme degree of complete unawareness. People can maintain rigid postures 
and resist efforts to be moved. Uh, then there's social or occupational dysfunction, so a failure to achieve interpersonal, occupational, educational achievement that would normally be within their grasp. Um, interpersonal relationships and self-care often decline as well. And so now that we have a general idea of some of the symptoms of uh, psychosis and specifically the ones I just gave you for schizophrenia, what I would like to do is examine some of the biblical accounts of possession and see if they coincide with the psychotic break. And I think we'll do well to notice how Scripture attempts to distinguish between both of these in its descriptions. And so first, let's turn our attention to um, a passage like Matthew 5.24. It says this, So it's then the news about him spread throughout Syria. So they brought to him all those who were afflicted, those suffering from various diseases, intense pains, the demon-possessed, the epileptics, and the paralytics. Now, notice here, let me read that again. I want you to pay attention to the different, you know, maladies that people were suffering with that he's brought these people to Jesus. Uh, it says, those suffering from various diseases and intense pains, the demon-possessed, epileptics, paralytics, and of course, again, it said diseases and intense pains. Now, here, a distinction is made between disease and possession. Psychosis is a neurobiological problem, and so the root of psychosis is something going wrong within your brain, um, and so it's rooted in a physical problem. But you notice in this passage that epilepsy is contrasted with demonic possession as well. Now, why would the writers not mistake this as the work of demons? In fact, there are multiple places in Scripture where, well, let me just give you a few examples here. In Matthew 9.32, it says, As they were going away, behold, the demon-oppressed man who was mute was brought to him. And when the demon had been cast out, the mute man spoke, and the crowds marveled, saying, Never was anything like this seen in Israel. Now, there are plenty of other places where people are crippled, handicapped, sick, and the writers of Scripture don't attribute that to demon possession or demon oppression. But here, clearly, they did. And so you see a distinction made. Also, in Luke 13, 10, it says, Now he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath, and behold, there was a woman who had a disabling spirit for 18 years. She was bent over and could not fully straighten herself. When Jesus saw her, he called over and said to her, Woman, you are freed from your disability. Now, again, you see the, the spiritual invoked here, but not all people in the Bible that Jesus heals with disabilities um, do they associate with any sort of um, spiritual or demonic oppression. And so it's interesting to me that they do make this distinction. We see distinction made between epilepsy and demonic possession. We see some cases where there are um, physical problems that it's attributed to demons and other places where it's, it's not. And so if the case is to be made that, you know, uh, what people used to believe in, in Scripture was demonic possession, well, we can rule that out and say, no, 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 those are just psychological problems. Well, why did they make these distinctions? Why didn't they attribute everything to demonic influence? We find another psychotic disorder present in Daniel chapter 4. And this passage is actually a passage that I really enjoy. Um, the story of King Nebuchadnezzar, it's told in first person by Nebuchadnezzar himself, the, the king of ancient Babylon. 
and he experiences a psychotic break and believes himself to be an ox. He lives outdoors and behaves like a wild animal. He eats grass and his hair and his nails grow long. And this is a psychological disorder um, that has been documented in modern times and still occurs today. It's called boanthropy. And the person who experiences this disorder believes they are a cow and acts accordingly. And some people are deluded into believing they are wolves, and this is known as lycanthropy. And many believe that the legend of werewolves, uh, since we're getting real Halloween today, arose from people experiencing lycanthropy. And so the symptoms that King Nebuchadnezzar presents with are very much uh, indicative that a psychotic disorder, psychosis, is present. And so a a delusion is present, disorganized behavior is present, social and interpersonal dysfunction are there. He was relieved of his position temporarily, and the Bible says that he lived in the fields and acted like a wild animal. Here we see no appeal in the Old Testament to label his symptoms or behaviors to the credit of demons. Now, it is spoken that this is going to happen because God has knowledge of what's to come, but it's not attributed to demonic influence. When we examine the interactions of Jesus with those who are possessed um, in the New Testament, such accounts as can be found in Matthew 8, Mark 5, Luke 4, we find information that one would consider as aberrant with a psychotic disorder. And so during these interactions Jesus has with these possessed people, we find that there does not seem to be any disorganized speech, problems communicating. We find that the demoniacs are rational in their interactions with Christ. And this doesn't necessarily seem to line up with psychosis. It's interesting that the ones experiencing possession have direct knowledge of who Christ is, and it coincides with who Christ actually claimed to be. Imagine that. They also exhibit special knowledge and superhuman strength, which would coincide with supernatural activity being employed. We also notice in the account of the man possessed by many demons in Matthew 8, uh, Mark 5, Luke 8, different parallel accounts, that when the demons are exercised, they are transferred to pigs, which in turn behave erratically, run into the sea, and drown themselves. Now, psychosis would not be considered transferable in such a manner. And so we can note that the pigs act in the same self-destructive way as the man did while he was possessed. Now, would any modern mind be tempted to say that these pigs were schizophrenics? Well, I highly doubt that. Uh, That would be an impossible case to make. And so if one denies that these accounts in Scripture are the results of the demonic and ascribe them to the diseases of the mind— one still has to account for the fact that Jesus heals them. Or perhaps they would just say that Jesus was a brilliant psychiatrist. I don't know. And I would also put forth some experiential evidence as well that these accounts are accurate in Scripture and that a distinction can be made between psychosis and the demonic. I spent a considerable amount of time working in a psychiatric hospital, um, one inpatient, uh, and then also for a couple of years, at a hospital that was transitory between inpatient and then being back at home. And, you know, in all that experience, you know, I would spend eight, eight hours at work and, you know, deal with people with depression, psychosis, schizophrenia, um, different personality disorders, anxiety. And most of the time it was just another day at work. And I mean, I saw some weird stuff. I saw some strange things, um, you know, being in a hospital and seeing active psychosis 
is certainly keeps you on your toes and it's interesting. But there were a few occasions where I met a few people and it was as if instantly I knew that there was more here than psychosis. An incredibly evil feeling that I can't even put into words. And I've had other people in the same profession um, tell me similar experiences as, as well. And so I think a close examination of the text leaves no room for skepticism about spiritual agents at work. Um, the explicit testimony of Scripture is that spiritual beings do exist. And when we read the accounts of these beings at work in the Bible, we see distinctions made between illness and demonic activity. Now, what about mental health in a larger sense? What about things like depression, anxiety, and various personality disorders? Is there an interplay there between the spiritual and the, um, you know, the, the mental health aspect of it? Well, perhaps sometimes. 1 Samuel 16, 14, if you remember, it says, well, I'm just going to read it to you. It says, Now the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul. And we're not necessarily talking about the Holy Spirit as we know him in the New Testament. And it says, And a harmful spirit from the Lord tormented him. And so from here, you know, there's a harmful spirit, and, and Saul plunges into depression. Now, is this depression due to the, the, the harmful, evil spirit? Well, maybe. It's, it's possible. And in this passage itself, I've seen different interpretations that you know, the evil spirit here was indicative of um, God removing his spirit from Saul. And then some people think this was a, a demonic um, evil spirit. Either way, yeah, perhaps it did influence um, Saul's depression at this point. And, you know, I certainly believe that all emotional, psychological disorders have a spiritual component. And so certainly, um, you know, I think the, the demonic um, can impact our mental health. I think especially if we open ourselves up to that through perhaps the use of drugs and certainly different things that we expose our minds to. But I don't think that every instance of mental health, there is a, a demon behind it. I think when mankind fell, when sin entered the world, it affected us emotionally, it affected us spiritually, it affected us psychologically, it affected us physically. Everything was affected. And so I don't think we have to see behind every mental disorder a boogeyman there. And I think we can make a distinction between psychological, emotional problems and demonic influence. Um, but the question is, and somebody asked me this recently, well, how do you know the difference? How do you know what is a mental health problem and how do you know what is um, you know, the demonic? And I think that can be a hard distinction to make, perhaps sometimes, to somebody that's maybe not well-versed in psychology or perhaps even theology. But I think there are some things you can look at. Now, in the New Testament, uh, demons... When people were possessed, they spoke in a rational dialogue. Jesus doesn't have any problem communicating with them. Um, whereas untreated people with schizophrenia often speak in what's referred to as word salads. It's a glippity glop of words that don't make any sense. There's also something called clang associations where um, schizophrenics will rhyme or say words that have the same consonant or vowel that begins. And it's sort of the sing-song rhyming speech. Demons in the New Testament had an aversion to Christ. Mentally ill people often want spiritual help, and that aversion is not there. Demons would give supernatural knowledge to their host. Of course, mentally ill people never exhibit this kind of clairvoyance. 
And also, if medicine alleviates the problems, well, then that would seem to indicate that it wasn't the result of demonic or satanic work. And so, again, you know, when you look at Scripture, it, it really doesn't leave us any room to guess about spiritual agents at work. Of course, um, the Bible is a, a spiritual book, and some people will perhaps ask, well, why do we not see as much um, of this demonic possession uh, like we did in the, the New Testament? Well, honestly, I mean, we do see it in the New Testament, but it's not as if it's jumping off every page. And also, people during that time were much more open and aware of the spiritual. You know, our rational and enlightened minds, we, we don't see that, I think. And I think it kind of flies under the radar. And I believe the, the demons would much rather fly under the radar. I think it allows them to get their work done in a much better fashion. And so I think when you look at Scripture, we would do well to pay attention to the distinctions that are there between mental illness or illness of any kind and demonic activity. If Scripture makes that distinction, I don't think they're attributing every problem that man has to the work of demons. And so, again, many Christians today see demonic presence where it is not. They see the demonic within depression, psychotic disorders, substance abuse, they find demons hiding behind every door and under every rock. And I think we must have a correct understanding between mental health and spiritual activity. And at times there may be a, some interplay there, sure, definitely. But we should seek a correct understanding of reality by not attributing to the work of demons that which we don't understand. But neither using psychology to account for the things also that we don't fully understand. And I think C.S. Lewis gives us a little bit of perspective here when finding this balance. He says, There are two equal and opposite errors into which our race can fall about the devils. One is to disbelieve in their existence. The other is to believe and to feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. They themselves are equally pleased by both errors. And so we mustn't ignore the existence of demons, but we certainly err when we see them hiding in every alleyway. And so that brings us to the end of this episode. I hope it's been interesting. And that's another question that we can check off our list. And so thanks so much for tuning in. Enjoy having you listen, join in with us every week. If you have a question you want featured on the show, you can email me at christianswithquestionspodcast at gmail.com or like us on Facebook. And you can submit a question there. And thanks so much to those of you who listen and share. Appreciate you helping things grow. Hope you enjoy the weekend. Happy Reformation Day. And we'll see you next week right here.